Good morning. It's good to see everyone out this morning. I have to go ahead and, and state the obvious. I have an orange shirt on. Um, I'm not a Tennessee fan. I'm not headed to a hunt. My wife laid this out, and I thought it wise to put it on. Well, that's why I've got it on. I guess it's something, something more like that. But it is good to be with you. I do like orange, by the way, too. My favorite colors. I don't wear it too often because one time I put it on, and my daughter called me. I told me I look like the great pumpkin, and I don't think as a compliment. So I'll just go ahead and pass that along, so you can think about that the whole time I'm up here. But it is good to see everybody out this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. This morning we're going to start a, a new series, if you will, called the blessing of obedience. And oftentimes when we think about obedience, we don't really know what that means. I, I've shared before, even recently, about how we have a cat at home, and I can't make him do hardly anything that I want him to do. And I think he ought to be more obedient to me as his master, and yet I struggle to teach him some of the basic things that, that you think maybe a pet ought to know. And sometimes I realize that even for us, we struggle sometimes to do some of the basic things that God, our master, expects us to do and calls us to do. Obedience is defined generally as dutiful or submissive compliance to the commands of one in authority. In a solely biblical sense, it means doing what God tells you to do. If you just wanted to boil it down to it, and it also, as someone once stated, it is the supreme test of our faith in Christ. It is, our, it is the supreme test of our faith in Christ. If they'll put up John chapter 14 and verse 15, it's a very familiar and a very simple verse, but it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you truly love me, do what I tell you to do. And we know that to be obedient to God is truly a blessing both to Him and to us. And yet the truth is, sometimes being obedient doesn't feel like a blessing, does it? Sometimes being told what us feel very good. Sometimes it feels like a burden having to be obedient more than it does a blessing. Now I have been married, my wife's not here yet, she's coming to the second service this morning, but I've been married for over 20 years and I still don't like to do what she tells me to do. And sometimes I just try to not do what she tells me to do just so I can aggravate her just a little bit. I find that sometimes we kind of have that, that little bit of an attitude in us, don't we? She'll say, well, do you, why don't you empty the dishwasher? She's like, no, I don't want to. And then I'll just kind of smile, and then she'll give me that look, and then I'll go over there and I'll do it. But sometimes we like to push it just a little bit, don't we? Sometimes we like to, to hold off just a little bit and see what we can get away from. Many today, they'll think of, of the Bible as something they can try to get away from when in fact we ought to be following God's Word to what He has called us to do. Many people today see the Bible's commandments as outdated. They see the Bible's call to obedience as unfair. Sometimes Christians are even called intolerant. And yet we're going to see very soon the importance of following God's way and following God's commandments. And we're also going to see the blessings in the coming weeks of being obedient to Him and not to the world around us. Our scripture passage this morning involves what some might call one of the most difficult passages in the Old Testament. It's one that I often struggled with when I was first started preaching and got to digging into the Word more and more and more. This was one of those stories that when I looked at it, I was like, God, that just doesn't I just didn't quite understand why it seemed so harsh in the story that we're going to look at. 
Because we're going to look at a man who seemed like he was trying to do the right thing. He seemed like a guy who had the right heart. He seemed, at least from the outside, like somebody who was just trying to do something good. And yet when we read the story, story excuse me, it seems like God's judgment was swift. It seems like it was harsh. And to me, it seems like, why did he do that? And yet we're going to see as we dig a little deeper into the Lord that this is a story about proclaiming God's holiness. And this is a story about truly being obedient to what God has called us to do. So if you look with me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel, look up on the screen. 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're going to look at the first seven verses. I'm going to read through all of them. This is in the NIV version. And it says, and I'll go ahead and share this too. This one was full of names that sometimes the preacher goes, I wonder how you say that. And so I listened to the British guys, as uh, Robbie often talks about on the Bible app. He said it one way and looked on the internet and that guy said it a different way. So you may hear me say it three or four different ways. Because I struggled sometimes to figure out how to pronounce those things. Yet, don't listen to my pronunciation of the names. Listen to the story and what God's trying to, to illustrate to us this morning. It's David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. Verse number 2 says, He and all his men went to Baalath in Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God. Now the Ark of God, you're talking about the Ark of the Covenant where depending on which passage that you, you pull from, but it at least held the Ten Commandments. And this was kind of the, the centerpiece, if you will, uh, of the, the furniture used to worship the Lord. It says, The Ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. Verse number 3 says, They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uh, most scholars believe that it had been there. This is part of another story that it had been in his house for 20 years, or perhaps 20 years it had been in his home there. It says, Which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Aho, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart. Verse number 4 says, With the ark of God on it, and Ohio was walking in front of it. Verse number 5 says, David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, and trembles, timbles, excuse me, sistrums, and cymbals. Verse number 6 says this, When they came to the threshing floor at Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. Verse number 7 says, The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah. Because of his irreverent act, therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. We see here that they are bringing back the ark of the covenant, if you will, to Jerusalem probably. They're bringing it back and they, they've got a whole big group together here. It's a time of great celebration. It says that David came with 30,000 of his men to come and retrieve this. And I can imagine the celebration and the excitement about having this back in its proper place away from this man's home. And this was a group of people that came and this, they, were, they were excited. They were celebrating. I picture, and I don't want to diminish this in any way, but I picture a parade. I just picture a lot of people parading around. I imagine a lot of people being... Uh, dancing and, and, and playing instruments, and it shares all the different instruments that they played. They were thrilled to be having this 
come back. And this would have been a time of great and wonderful, fantastic celebration. Everything would have been going like, this is fantastic. We got the ark back. This is fantastic. What a wonderful time. And then in verse number 6, something that seems very small happened. And to me seems like something perhaps that would even be insignificant. It says, when they came to the threshing floor at Nacon, and that the threshing floor was a place where it would have been a hard, flat surface where they would have threshed out grain, if you will. So you can imagine, I always picture kind of like a slab of concrete, which is not exactly what that looked like, but that was the picture that I would have had in my mind, a, a flat place there. When they came to that threshing floor, when they came to that place where they, they threshed out the grain and separated everything out from the from the, uh, the, the word escapes me, but from the whole, the, what holds the grain and everything, they, they separated out. When they came to this place that they did that, the oxen, as he got across that, stumbled a little bit. Or, I don't know the words you might use, uh, jerked or lunged. Whatever had happened there, it kind of rocked the cart a little bit. It kind of rocked it and pulled it back and forth just a little bit there. When they got to this place, something that seems very small happened. And Uzzah reached out as he was walking behind it or beside it, and he reached up to steady it. You know, I often think about myself sometimes when I'm next to something. If I think it's going to fall, what's your reaction? I reach out and I try to catch it. I reach out. I can remember that when I was younger, back before you had to wear seatbelts all the time. I can remember my mom that when we'd be driving in the car, if, we were gonna, if she thought we were going to hit something, I got this number right here. She would throw her hand out just by, by her reaction. She would throw her hand out in front of me. And sometimes that was worse than what we might have was going to hit because you just kind of get smacked back a little bit. Like, I got you. Don't worry. You're safe. Oh, good. <laughs> I can imagine that reaction. He, I can see me doing that going, oh, no, the cart almost fell. Oh, no, something almost happened. Now, the truth was the ark wasn't supposed to even be on a cart. Doesn't matter if it was a new cart or a nice cart, if it was the fanciest cart they had. That wasn't the way that they were supposed to be carrying this. Uh, perhaps if Israel had been obedient in the past, they wouldn't even have lost the ark, and it wouldn't have been in this place, and they wouldn't even had to have been making this journey to retrieve it. And yet, that's where they find themselves. And so he, as the oxen stumbled and the cart jerked a little bit, he reaches up. Verse number 7 says this, And the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark. God struck him dead immediately. He didn't go home and die. He didn't go to the local hospital and die. He was struck dead right there in that place. And when I hear that, my first reaction is, wow. That's really harsh. That seems so difficult for me to wrap my mind around sometimes. That seems like such a, such a... This was a man who apparently loved the Lord. I can imagine him being in this parade, if you will, or this celebration, and he was probably celebrating with everybody else. This was an Israelite who was... Somebody's going, wow, this is fantastic. This was also probably a, a man who seemingly wanted to protect the ark. It wasn't like he reached out because he probably had some kind of ill thoughts towards the things that God was doing. He's just like, man, I want to take my hand up here and I want to, to steady that. This was probably a trusted man. 
Um, most scholars believe that this was in his father's home. And so he'd probably been around the ark. He was trusted around it. This was somebody who, you know, wasn't about keeping an eye on the guy in the back now. No, it wasn't that at all. This was a guy, everybody would say, yeah, that's a guy who, who deserves, if you will, to be up there close to that. And yet a closer examination teaches us about why this happened. If you look with me at Numbers, chapter number 4, It says, and when Aaron and his sons made an end of covering the sanctuary, and this is talking about how they had prepared everything and the way they were supposed to handle the things of God, what they were supposed to do, what they couldn't do, who was supposed to do it, and who wasn't supposed to. It says, and all the vessels of the sanctuary, as the camp is set is to set forward, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it. In other words, there was a certain group of people that were supposed to carry this ark, that was supposed to handle this. It says, but they shall not touch anything lest they die. I told you it was, if I remember correctly, it's supposed to be carried on poles. They weren't supposed to touch these things. They weren't supposed to, to handle those things, especially this. And it says, if they do, if they touch that, they will die. It didn't say that they could die. It didn't say they might die. It didn't say probably, maybe, whatever. The directions were clear. And I want to boil it down to this. God said, don't touch the box. Plain and simple. Don't touch the box or you will die. God didn't mix words. God didn't give an uncertain call. He simply stated, don't touch the ark. The truth is, and the lesson for us is, obedience is about following God completely. Uzzah, even in his wanting to help, even as him thinking he was doing the right thing, did not obey God's command. The ark represented God's commands. The ark represented God's presence. The, guard, uh, the ark excuse me, represented God's holiness. God's directions were clear. Don't touch the box. Don't touch the ark or you will die. We live in a world today where biblical standards are often ridiculed. We live in a world today where the standards of God's Word are often laughed at. And yet the Bible still says the wages of sin are death. That has not changed. The world around us has changed in great ways. And yet God's standard still, still says the wages or the payment for sin is death. Church, I still want to remind you there's still only one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes people are searching for all kinds of different ways or paths to find God. There is still only one path, no matter what the world says, no matter what the world thinks, no matter what goes on, it's still only Jesus Christ. Too many times today, we find ourselves or we're told that we should follow our heart. You know what? If Jesus Christ is leading your heart, if God is in your heart and in everything, then follow your heart because you'll be following God. And yet sometimes people just want to follow their own desires. Sometimes people just want to follow their, their own path or their own ways, if you will. Uzzah, even in his wanting, seemingly wanting to do a good thing, he had did something that God said, do not do. We're not smarter than God. 
And we don't have to understand all of God's ways to follow Him. We don't have to understand why He does certain things. We don't have to understand His timing to be obedient to Him. My job, and I was going to sing you a song today. I looked for a video and I couldn't find just the right one. But growing up we used to sing a song called Trust and Obey. For there's no other way. Happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that brings us to the second part. Obedience is about trusting God. It's not just trying to follow the letter of the law, so to speak. It also is a great illustration of us trusting the Lord. Uzzah, when he reached out to steady the ark, and to my mind it was like he just wanted to kind of help it. Yet did he think for a moment that God couldn't protect the ark? We serve a God who is big and powerful and can do all things. He can handle a couple of oxen and a box on a cart. And yet sometimes we forget that, don't we? We, want, we sing about His power. We sing about His wonderful creation. We give Him our souls. We give Him our most important, quote-unquote, possession that we have. Yet sometimes we don't think God can handle our financial needs. Sometimes we don't think that God can handle our family problems. Sometimes we don't think God can handle our hurt. We don't think God can handle our pain. God got this. God knows what he's doing. I think about the disciples as they were in the boat and Jesus was sleeping and they were so scared that they were going to sink and they, had to, and they had to wake the master up. The truth was the boat was never going to sink because Jesus was in it. And yet they didn't have the faith to believe that, to trust in him, to follow him all the way through those. They're like, wake up, wake up, wake up. Just like Uzzah when he reached out to touch the box. You remember what the commandment was? Don't touch the box. And yet, sometimes we don't illustrate a trust. It says, God, I know you can handle all things. God, I know that you can do this. Our obedience to God illustrates a confidence in God. I remember when Autumn was little, she grew up out in the country. And so we had a road in front of our house, not a street. And uh, she was small, we would be very careful to, to hold her hand when she crossed a parking lot or she crossed the street because she, just the honest, the truth was she wasn't very familiar with traffic. And I can remember when she was small and we'd be in a, a Walmart parking lot, I'd say, you'd have to take my hand and she would reach up and she would take my hand and she would follow me anywhere as long as we were holding hands because she knew I wasn't going to lead her astray. She knew I was going to take her to the, in the right places. When we would get ready to cross a, a busy place in the parking lot, I would say, now you're supposed to look both ways to try to teach her. Look this way and look that way and see a car. As long as she had my hand, she didn't do a very good job of looking. Because you know why? She knew I was looking. She knew that I had that. She didn't have to worry about it because I was protecting her and watching over her. Church, we could use more reaching up and grabbing God's hand and following Him instead of looking around and see what else is going on. Sometimes we get too caught up into those things and we don't truly trust Him. We don't truly have a confidence in Him. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, a very familiar passage of Scripture says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God 
Think about the things of God, the ways of God, the truths of God. Seek Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And all these things, talking about the things of this life, will be added unto you. In other words, get the best things right first. And everything else will fall in place. Does that mean that it's going to be easy? Nope. Did he promise that it would just be gumdrops and lollipops and we'd just be skipping around and be wonderful? Nope. But he said, I'll take care of you. I'll watch over you. In Hebrews it says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Obedience to God illustrates a great confidence in God. And when we have an obedience, when we have a trust, when we follow Him completely, it's taking hold of God's promises. It's taking hold of God's provisions. It's taking hold of that great hope. It's taking hold of that eternal home to come. It's like, Christ, I want to follow you. I trust you. I give you everything. In the coming weeks, we're going to examine two more stories. God struck someone dead. Those are hard messages to share sometimes. Those are difficult things to think about. And yet, they're truths that we need to hear. You know, disobedience doesn't always bring immediate mortal death today. Whew. Thank goodness sometimes, right? And yet, it brings a spiritual death. Not doing what God calls us to do. I think about something that slowly kills us. Something that draws us away from God. Something that when we're not following Him, we're going the wrong direction. And I don't want us to look at God and go, oh my goodness, look how strict He is. The truth is, He gave this class of priests, if you will, a warning ahead of time. Part of the great love was He said very clearly, don't touch the box. You know what He's called us to do very clearly? Follow me. Love me. Serve me. Worship me. He's called us to do those things. He's told us ahead of time, this is the right way. Yet, what if we failed? What if we look back over our life and we see where perhaps we deserved death? We look back and we say, I really failed here. I messed up here. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you look back and you say just that. You examine your heart and you say, you know what, Pastor Chris, I've not been obedient. God has called me to something and I've not done it. Maybe you're someone who tries and you try and you try, and you try, and you feel like you fall back time and time again. You look up and you see some great Christians, you say, I want to be like that, but you can't seem to quite get there. Maybe you're hearing this for the first time this morning. You didn't realize that God demands 
more than just joyous belief of the mind, which is a wonderful thing. Yet he also requires us to have a true faith in both words and actions. He calls us to follow him faithfully. He calls us to serve him faithfully. I want to remind you of a scripture this morning. And if you don't hear anything else, it says this, For all have sinned. That'd be me. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet, Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 23 share something that I want you to hear and that I want you to pay attention to. It says this, For the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. Don't touch the box. And yet, that's where we found ourselves, isn't it? But look what it says after that. But the gift of God life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the hope in all of this. That's the wonderful part of all that I shared here is we have a greater hope, church. We have something wonderful to look forward to. You know what? Maybe we failed in great and, and spectacular ways. And yet... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe our sin seems this big and this out of hand. And yet, if we'll repent and come to Jesus Christ, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As we get ready to get a song of invitation, I want to remind you that obedience is important. And we're going to look at several different stories in the coming weeks. I did not get a chance to cover all the different things that we're going to talk about here in this one place. Obedience, though, is what we are, we are called to follow Him. If you love me, keep my commandments. And yet, if we fail, there's still hope. If we fall in Jesus Christ is right there with His arms wide open. I want to invite you to come. Come and get every, give everything to Christ. Come and claim. I might even say reclaim. That wonderful gift that Jesus Christ offers everyone who comes unto Him and puts their faith and their trust and their hope in that wonderful sacrifice and that wonderful resurrection that he has given for all of us.